What's the best thing about a particular instalment of Doctor Who? Well, that's the mission with Happy Times and Places, where I, Toby Haydock, watch an instalment of Doctor Who, try to accentuate the positive all the while, seeing if I can guess what my special guest's favourite thing about the particular episode that they have chosen might be. Hi, I'm Ruben. I'm a Doctor Who fan. It's a TV show with that guy in the scarf who later changed into that guy who was the vet from All Creatures Great and Small. But what you may not know is that there were three guys that played the Doctor before that. The guy with the fancy cape is my favorite. And this is my favorite story from his era. From about 1984 to 2005, that is how I had to describe my love of Doctor Who to a generation of co-workers and Americans who just remembered Tom Baker and Peter Davison from the occasional viewing on PBS. Nowadays, that isn't an issue, thankfully. With the most I have to tell people who have fallen a bit behind is that nowadays, the Doctor, he's not a guy anymore. I'm picking the Green Death. It's the beginning of the end of the unit family era and such a sweet goodbye to Joe Grant. I am 12 years old and not very popular in school as everyone thinks I am strange for bringing Target books to school, talking about a show that nobody admits to having seen, and yeah. In other words, I am a Doctor Who fan, American, of a certain age. Well, huge thanks to Ruben, one of those many people who I've never met and yet who've had a profound effect on these podcasts and my output, which started during lockdown when I hadn't got a clue if anybody was interested in this stuff. And I got a huge vote of confidence from Ruben and he's been a, a, a firm and encouraging supporter ever since. So it seemed only right because I like reaching across the pond. Uh, I've always found America to have a great mystique about it. You know, it was the it was the huge country where all, you know, all the cinema and big TV and exciting things came from. And it seemed, you know, so familiar because of the, the, the you know, the language and, you know, various sort of, you know, cultural touchstones that, that, that are the same and, and all of that. But, you know, bigger and funkier and and more exciting and you know where the real stars came from uh, and of course i've since been to america and liked it very much uh and been you know treated very kindly there and welcomed very kindly there but it's never quite lost that miss i always feel you know i never expected to you know people would go on holiday to france you know europe and bits and bobs like that but i never i never thought i'd you know touch down in america set foot there let alone work there um and i always feel that that's a little bit special um even if you know yes i i worked there what on a movie set toby in hollywood no at an airport marriott hotel but doesn't matter uh because those events are great um anyway uh but yeah at, at doctor who conventions and well that's you know that's where i've prospered so i don't care had a great time uh over there and uh, they're they're brilliant events. Those ones, uh, full of lovely people, really well, well run, and uh, full of, you know, joy and conviviality. And uh, I've been very welcome there and made friends there. Um, but I've never met Ruben. Uh, we've uh, we've only ever communicated over the internet. So I'm glad uh, he was able to choose a story and choose one that he really liked. And uh, as I say, I always think we learn uh, from our 
from our cousins over the pond. And um, as I say, I'm always I'm always slightly excited to feel that I'm communicating with the United States of America. You know, uh, it's big and exciting. Um, and I'm always interested in what American Doctor Who fans make of our, you know, funny little show, which, you know, part of its appeal is it's, you know, it is a sort of funny parochial little thing in, in many ways. Uh, and of course, the Green Death. Uh, is the one that was Welsh. This and Delta and the Bannermen, they were the Welsh ones. Yeah, roll on 2005. Suddenly there's a lot of very Welsh things going on. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 all under a very Welsh umbrella. A very high umbrella because it's held by... because it's Russell T. Davis who is the tallest of umbrellas. Um, uh, But also, for me... I've said this before, so I shall try to say it in a different or more interesting way... Post-season 7 Pertwee was always a bit of a disappointment to me when I was collecting the videos. I think when I'd read the Target books, I'd imagined something that had the look and feel of the professionals, filmic and gritty, with the sort of special effects of the sort of Godzilla movies or the, you know, the 50s and 60s movies, which, you know, I, I was aware were before Doctor Who in the 70s. I hadn't quite, I think figured out how budgets on television and on film worked or anything like that. But I figured, you know, if 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 some of the 50s movies and 60s movies looked the way that they did, then 70s Doctor Who, you know, would 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 you know, certainly hold a hold a candle to that. So I think I expect I I really thought it would be gritty and I wanted Doctor Who to be gritty. I didn't like whimsy. I didn't like joy. Uh you know, I liked the jokes, but I liked the you know, I like. I, I thought it would be hard, you know, hard and tough because the programs that seemed hard and tough, like the professionals, which now seems terribly camp in its own way. But uh, you know, I think I was expecting more of that. I think I imagined it on film as well. So you know, the fact that loads of it was on videotape, which doesn't have that inbuilt grittiness, I think. Um, but 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 I've been prepared for the Green Death to be slightly subpar as well. Let's get. We'll get on to the fact that it isn't later hopefully when i'm watching it um because doctor who the doctor who archives in doctor who magazine had sort of pointed out and, a, and another article i think a couple of articles um i know doctor who archives fact file said that contemporary uh, newspaper reports uh you know criticized the childish dialogue so i went and going oh let's put the dialogue's a bit childish then and and it uh, you know i had been forewarned in some article in Doctor Who magazine, I'm sure, which which tended not to be that critical either. So, you know, being critical stuck out, um, you know, that there was bad CSO and that the giant fly wasn't very good. I'd So I'd expected bad CSO. Boy, I got it. Uh, and which which always, which you know, the, the fringing around people, it had the same effect on the sort of goosebumps on my own personal skin. It would really, you know, crackle around me, but uh, with with embarrassment, you know, as the as the the crimson shade of, uh, of 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 embarrassment crackled along my body. It created a sort of CSO fringing of its own, uh, but a fringing of shame. Uh, and and the giant fly, you know, was supposed to, so you know was 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 famously uh, was 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 supposed to be famously bad. And I'd also um, been prepared for the fact that some later external scenes were were on CSO that should have been on film, which, as it turns out is 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 not accurate um the the scenes with the brigadier and benton are on location that are done in front of a cso screen were always planned to be that way they knew they weren't going to actually manage to to pull them all off it wasn't that uh 
you know, they ran out of time and had to replan those for the studio. That was apparently always the plan. So that's very interesting. Now, uh, so I've always so so I've always been a little bit um, embarrassed by some elements of the Green Death, especially as they were part of that post season seven Pertwee that was a bit cozier, a bit less, uh, you know, tough guy uh and 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 uh sort of adult in really inverted commas than season seven and that was the sort of who that you know unless it it sort of embraced its its um you know it, it, it's the, the, the its wackiness like carnival of monsters which you know was always t- totally worked f- for me um or 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 had the you know the elan the 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 the, the sort of the great period you know um spoofery and yet t- totally real within its own terms of of the time warrior and because that's set in the past as well that's a slightly different vibe you know i love those but the unit stories which as i said expected to be tough and gritty were not were always a bit of a compromise for me but i have changed uh, partially doing this process where um you know a, a story that had you know previously just been a bit average for me the sea devils i absolutely adored this time around and then not long after i'd done it i saw it at the bfi again and loved it again um but also i am now much more charmed and much less on edge and much less looking over my shoulder for the cool kids to come in and me have to justify because this was also this was also shown when i was at university actually on on a sunday afternoon and i remember uh, a friend of mine who was who was not, not who was not one of those people who was sort of lofty and dismissive about stuff, which a lot of my mates at university were. Um, uh, he's a very famous actor now called Raza Jaffrey, but I remember him saying, "Oh, I saw you'd seen the end of episode three and uh, and thought it was a bit naff." And he'd said it, and he wasn't being unkind when he said it. He was going, "Oh, that wasn't great, was it?" And I was sort of absolutely fine that bit. Oh, glad you didn't see some of the other bits. Um, but you know, there's the, so so yes, it was on. It was repeated when I was at university when. I think the fact that we didn't look back at Doctor with affection anymore, but, you know, the, the nation had been trained to look back at it as, you know, some embarrassment, some, you know, uh, uh, menagerie of bad special effects and terrible acting, which I knew was untrue. And so uh, so that that also made me furious because it was it was not only wrong, it was unjust. Ha <laughs> uh, But anyway, so, yes, Green Death has... Uh, has always been a you know having loved the book although I found the book quite hard because it's a Malcolm Hulk book so I had to be a bit a bit older before I could really get it but it was one of the earliest books that we had it's very very knackered our our copy I say our because I have older brothers um so I'd inherited it of them and I love that cover with the giant fly squirting Bessie and uh, and then the, the the it's got some illustration on the back as well um loved all of that uh uh, and and it's got interior pictures as well. Um, I remember that you know the one of there's one of Hinks and there's there's one of Stevens with the uh, with the headphones on and all of that. Yes, so it had been a, it was a very familiar book and it seemed you know the green death dripping from the the walls of the mine that seemed like the stuff of nightmares. Uh, but it's a slightly it's a very different story for that. There's lots of other things going on. It's not all sort of you know, atomic waste and industrial espionage. It it goes to Hippieville and it goes to uh, Wales. So it's 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 got a mixture of uh, 
of of styles and 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 personnel and adventure but i'm i'm expecting to be more charmed than i have before because i've got over myself a bit and i've embraced the charm and that's not to patronize it go oh it's me but i actually all the bits that 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 work on their own terms that are that are designed to be you know charming or or fun or, or cozy or whatever uh, uh yeah i'm much keener to snuggle up to them whereas actually i wanted to sort of knock shoulders and get all bruisey with that with that tough that tough stuff uh when i was you know when i was at the grand old age of 15 uh when i think i saw toughness as sort of currency uh especially you know if in, in programs that i liked but uh, now i'm i'm happy for comfort i'm happy for the comfort of the long-haired unit family uh, and uh, at near the end of their reign and of course it's the it's the end of an era it's the end of joe grant but let us see what the green death has to offer let's set sail well no we'll uh, we'll uh, get in the car and we'll drive down to clan fairfach uh, and watch episode one of the green death in three two one and I had a not bad copy of this either. I a lot of my uh, a lot of my John Pertwee's were, you know, pretty good first second generation from Australia. So uh, I've never had to look at this through a sort of murky kaleidoscope of uh, of uh, you know different uh, different blobs. Uh, the and the Green Death was green, not sort of you know grey with blue bits flapping about it uh lovely establishing shot there uh says that we're in wales and i i'm i'm very drawn to this idea of course as well is that you know the um the mines and industry being closed this is very sort of reminiscent of well i mean i wasn't i wasn't around i, I wasn't quite born yet of the 70s but you know the miners strike in the 80s was something that was you know very much on people's lips and uh, industrial relations and all of this was very important in the UK and uh, workers rights which uh, you know i think we've uh, i mean I, th I think we've learned to rue uh, what has happened to uh, the industry in our country but also um you know the 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 unions uh, uh, the, the 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 unions also uh, you know are, are are not without and i'm a union man very much so but are not without uh not without culpability in the way that they uh, uh conducted themselves i'm not talking about the mine the mining here by the way i because i'm i've never uh i've never been part of the miners union but i know there were other unions that were that were uh, uh you know that took the that took the mickey frankly um and and i've in you know encountered uh arch unionism and it can be a bit of a bore but um i'd always on balance um I'd, i wouldn't cross a picket line just on on principle uh but uh, you know but anyway let's not get into the politics of it um it's john scott martin here who uh doesn't last very long i like the fact that stevens says i have in my hand a piece of paper because of course he's uh, misquoting neville chamberlain um and i and i think I really like now Ray Handy, the milkman there is he's related to somebody and I can't remember who a Doctor Who fan, I think, is related or somebody I know is related to Ray Handy. And he's there with uh, with Mostyn Evans, uh, 
who who is also a taxi the uncredited as a taxi driver in Doctor Who and the Silurians, and is also the uh, 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 the high priest because he was a good singer. Of course, good singer, very Welsh uh, stereotype in uh, in Death to the Daleks. He's the he's the high priest. Uh, and there's one lovely Stuart Bevan who it's funny when I was uh, preparing myself to watch this characters like him who'd been good on the page but who were played by actors who I you know who who I didn't re- you know the, I mean Stuart even admitted this was probably the best part of his career though he did do lots of adverts and stuff he's a very recognizable face on television but in terms of sort of drama parts and the fact that he w- he wasn't Welsh led me to and and because I'd seen lots of sort of young haired long haired young actors in other 70s stuff be a bit sort of high pitched whiny and naff uh I was hugely pleasantly surprised by how good Stuart Bevan is and he is excellent it he could really have been really annoying uh and I think it's one of the great strengths of this that one of those sort of parts that doesn't really that could have the potential not to age well at all uh aged has has aged very well and i think Stuart Bevan's performance is very good uh that's a that's wonderful isn't it that, i mean this is pure doctor who and it's really grim it's a it's a great effect the green death effect and that, you know i remember sort of reading about this story and reading the book and go you know this there's this thing and it turns people and it makes them green and it's called the green death i mean as a starting point for a doctor who story it says instant classic doesn't it uh now here's here's a, a very interesting observation that because because I think one of the bits of dialogue that uh, were, were were probably uh, accused of being childish with the doctor some of the doctor and Joe's banter, um, but uh, it's rather fun how Doctor Who tells Joe Grant off for having an apple for her breakfast, whereas now you'd go fruit for breakfast is actually pretty good for you. Um, uh, and he's going, no, no, you should have some protein. And you go, well, no, you can have fruit for breakfast. That's that's uh, that's all right. Uh, get 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 your fruit and veg. Get your get your five a day in. Uh, um, I I feel I need to clarify what, what I said about unions because I am a member of uh, two two yes. Uh, and I and I very much was in support of the UK miners in the nineteen eighties and uh, I'm very much. Uh, in retrospect too and uh, the way that Margaret Thatcher smashed the unions in this country was uh, to its detriment but that didn't happen in a vacuum and uh, and uh, you know the, the unions have occasionally misbehaved in a really annoying way and I'm not saying they gave her an excuse but they certainly facilitated what she did and there were certainly some things that were that were union led in industrial relations in the in the 70s and early 80s that uh, didn't do anybody any favors but i nonetheless firmly believe that workers should uh, be uh, represented by a union and that uh, uh, and, and, and that unions utilized properly uh, can ensure fairness in the workplace for all but like all good ideas it can be messed about with but I think that's the only reason I said that is that I've yeah so there we go so union man but d- d- be good be good union uh, excellent shot of the dead body there um, and uh, and and of course all of these Welsh actors here are, are all the genuine articles so that really helped not not Stuart Bevan who but who is very well but Mostyn Evans Ray Handy who's only on film but I think he's excellent as the milkman um, I actually think he's my I think he's he's 
because he's quite cussed and he's quite he's quite pissed you know he's he's pissed off Welsh whereas uh, Mostyn Evans is doughty Welsh uh, Roy Evans is sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, you know we we what what sort of weedy weedy Welsh you know small and Talfrin Thomas is uh, is Talf the Teeth Welsh he's uh, he's TV Welsh although actual Welsh as well but because he 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 largely Wales was largely represented by Talfrin Thomas on BBC television in the nineteen seventies I mean he's just essence of Wales although we haven't seen Talfrin Thomas this yet although he's very very nice in this. Uh, he's pr- pretty horrible in Survivors, and he's pretty oily in Spearhead from Space, uh, and of course he was uh, Private Cheeseman in Dad's Army too. So you know, very very well known face. But they just, you know, they just basically, co- you know, call out the Welsh actors. Let's get them in uh, to give us this real sense of place. Uh, although they do actually go to well- Wales on location, but it uh, helps to have them in the studio too. Um, and I, I. You know, I, I I love the fact that Doctor Who is is taking on the ecological storyline here, uh, and you know some things like this can seem dangerously like a fad, you know, uh, and you think, oh, it's very seventies for ecology to be a thing, and of course, ecology is still a thing. Uh, we are, I, I mean, I you know, we are eating. Uh, mushroom fungus as a as a sustainable source of protein uh you know we we do have questions about energy and about efficiency and about you know how much fossil fuel there is left in the planet and and what burning that fossil fuel does to it uh and of course doctor who should uh should look at that and, and use that as a storytelling device. And I think whatever you think of it, and I know, you know, I I know there are arguments that uh, that are, shall we say, green cautious. <laughs> uh, I still think you would say, you, 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 even if you were, you could still say it's, you know, it's an important uh, storytelling. You know, it's what Doctor Who does just in the same way as it as it takes, uh, you know, the right, you know, you know the popularity of plastic and makes it uh, deadly. You know the the Auton stories aren't. I mean Praxeus does, and I think Praxeus does it very well. Um, you know the, with the microplastics and stuff. But the Autons, the you know t- Robert Holmes wasn't doing cautionary tale about the rise of plastic. He just went, oh, this stuff's all over the place. Let's make it kill people. Whereas this is a this is a a story that you know wants to well inform, educate, and entertain. And I don't mind reading Doctor Who. The fledgling flies the coop. That was quoted in, I think, Gary Russell in a in a third Doctor Who, third Doctor summer special did did little sort of reviews of every story, and they each had a quote. And uh, I didn't really know what the fledgling flies the coop means. Um, uh, so uh, you know, I was educated by by having to look up and discover what that meant. Uh, and it, and and so it's it's interesting, isn't it, how it's signposted this early on. Uh, it's like Doctor Who knows that this is Joe Grant's last story. I love Ray Handy as the milkman. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't miss it, can you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's really good. Uh, he's 
<laughs> the way he does your welcome boy as if he's anything but welcome and then he does some genuine welsh here doesn't he uh yeah yeah he's uh it's a lovely sort of dour cynical performance and uh i think it's uh yeah i think it's uh uh, 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 uh he's he's a he's a nice little character he doesn't even get a name uh, but i think he's referred to later as jones the milk but he's just credited as milkman uh I couldn't tell you anything about that cow. I'm sorry. I feel, uh, <laughs> I feel like I've let you down. Um, but I, the brigadier's got a funky car, hasn't he? It's always nice to see the brigadier in civvies, and Nicholas Courtney in a flat cap. Flat caps. I'm I wear a flat cap now. Uh, and I, uh, oh, but of course we have the massive jaunt. To Metabilis 3. A whole load of the uh, the filming allocation to go to something that has nothing to do with the story at all and is essentially a protracted gag because he's been promising that we go to the famous Blue Planet and it turns out to be this sort of deadly environment. That's a nice bit of uh, reverse filming with the tentacle, though. It's a it's a very effective sequence, nicely staged, um, and of course this will, you know, the way that the Pertwee era threads together, where Metabelis three first becomes a promise, then becomes a joke, and then becomes, you know, the the, the setting of the climax where uh, the whole Pertwee era comes together, uh, gives this whole era, you know, a very modern feeling of some sort of through line and some sort of arc that we associate much more with with uh, with modern television than than with uh, than with Doctor Who of this time really even though there are plenty of examples littered around the series uh I do like his uh I did I do like his uh, his hovering chair excuse me for yawning um I mean I yeah this and this is this is this sort of stuff is quite hard to stage, I would argue, in a in a multi-camera studio where you've got sort of klutzy, slightly farcy stuff, and that's quite a hard line. You'll contaminate my spores, but he does it very well. I I think I think Stuart Bevan is excellent in this. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him just the once, I think, in a in a in a cellar in Shoreditch. Uh, obviously, I I know Katie now quite well. And uh, she's a delightful person. But Katie was very, very fond of Stuart and, uh, you know, had reconnected with him when she came back to the UK. And uh, as we as we see, obviously, from those trailers for the for the Blu-rays and things. And uh, uh, but but I didn't realise Stuart, 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 I knew in modern telly because <laughs> that's great. Lovely comedy. Look, they've got a real rapport here. Uh, it's it's the, as I said, this scene in, in lesser hands would have been klutzy, would have been contrived. Would have, well, it is klutzy, but it, it 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 could have been contrived and awkward and and slightly forced. But they've they've clearly rehearsed it, and they're clearly they're clearly bouncing off each other in a way that makes this, I think, potentially quite quite. And look at the way that it's shot as well. Shooting her through those wires and stuff. Everyone's very well placed. It's very nice direction from Michael Bryant. That that scene is deceptive because I think it could have been. It could have been problematic. 
Um, not in today's meaning of the word problematic, where you discover that one of the actors has 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 a has a political opinion, or even likes a different colour than you do, and uh, and you decide that they shouldn't be employed anymore. I don't mean that sort of problematic. I mean problematic as in badly staged. Um, and and I think the writing here is is a bit uh, sort of childish, uh, but but. Katie, Katie pulls that off, and actually, that's a nice breaking of the. No, it's fine. That's fine. That's actually very charming. Um, and they are. They do have a lovely rapport. So there's the doctor with a close up or some stock footage of a snake. But you know, the blue filter effect is, and, and Bert was great at doing this kind of. I'm being buffeted about by the uh, by the terrible environment, um, and this is absolutely, you know, what Doctor Who should be doing of going you know we're 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 looking at one of the planet's problems and 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 and, and the way that uh, all of this fungus and everything ties up with the whole plot is uh, is is rather splendid and you know it's very very forward thinking you know Barry Letts being an environmentalist I think was to doc because he's never because I don't think if this is being particularly didactic as I say I think even if you're sort of green cautious you know the the amount of story elements they get from their the the environmental concerns of of the production team or the writers at least or barry letts um ju justifies the preoccupation with it not because at the end he's gone you'll have to be better at all of this stuff you know that the businessmen are are useful villains to have um and it's uh, and 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 uh, you know it creates a scenario um that gives us all sorts of different threats. We have the suave Stevens here, the the you know the shady business people who've got you know they've got the government in their pocket. That's all nice conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, having the hippies as heroes is quite nice, especially as they're not annoyingly portrayed hippies, which is not uh, is not always the case in seventies drama. Um, I will talk at great length about Jerome Willis, uh, who is very special has a special place in uh, this old Hoovian's heart. Um, oh, yes, because he's just trying to phone the doctor. So, the, yes, and this is the doctor, uh, uh, you know, being acquisitive. And as we... <laughs> I mean, I actually think that's okay. I used to be slightly embarrassed by that, but I think that's all right. And I love the fact that his jacket's torn. Um, but, of course... You know, at the moment, it's a gag and he's going through these trials and tribulations to get this beautiful crystal. But that's going to be the, you know, his his greed, especially. And I love the fact that John, you know, John Pert was Doctor's Greed because John Pert was famously would nick a half inch anything if he if he could. If there was there wasn't the thing about him unscrewing a, a, a compass on the on the SS Bernice. <laughs> um, I think you quite like going home with stuff. Um, Jerome Willis. Uh, no, I'll talk about him later. Um, and I like the this is very clever the way that the uh, the, the the dialogue interlaps. I mean, you know, it's not it's not rocket science, and it's a it's a it's a writing format that has been used elsewhere. But it's nice to see it in Doctor. Who. I love the way Michael Bryant's shooting this very cleverly and subtly through the through the various bits of equipment, but not losing anybody's face. 
no, and then no waste, no pollution. Uh, that's brilliant. That's that's really good, and, uh, especially as this is a sort of kids' program in a way. But I, I love the juxtaposition. You know, the different stories that are two heroes. Hero number three is stuck on the. Is feeling a little blue on Metabilis. Um, lot of must, lot of solo moustaches. You don't see the solo moustache so much anymore. Um, so a lot of solar moustaches in Colony in Space, too. Perhaps Michael Bryant had a thing about solar moustaches. Uh, I saw Michael recently. He's in his 80s and is uh, st still as game as anything and uh, a lovely chap. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy, is Michael. Um, oh, did she just knock something off the desk there? I think she might have done. But this is a lovely set as well, isn't it? With all the, uh, with all the mushrooms in their things on the shelves and those different coloured lights. You, you get a real sense of sort of, uh, you know, batty scientist. Um. <laughs> uh, and here we go. Now, Mostyn Evans, who plays uh, 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 Die, Die Evans, Mostyn Evans, Die, 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 who does Die. Uh, I think he, I think Mostyn Evans died on Doctor Who's birth, died on the 23rd of November. Why do I know that? Because I just do. Um, so, yes, and this, you know, evil bit. I've watched a bit of Doomwatch recently and, uh, you know, it's it's much sort of trendier than 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 this. Uh, and actually, see, so seems a little in places seems a little more childish actually although this is very childish but it's hilarious the spears being chucked and the tentacles and this there everything buffeting the tardis and then the doctor coming out and answering the phone i think all of that is truly delightful i i, I it, it got up my nose a bit when i first watched this because i wanted the doctor to be in the story this isn't part of the story the doctor hasn't joined the story yet but actually in a six-parter, you can you can afford to have a sort of comedy diversion for the Doctor. And John Pertwee coming out with his shoulder torn, going, I'll talk to anybody, is really funny. Having But having done, you know, overreached himself and stolen, uh, and that will come back to haunt him. All this uh, stuff on film is, is lovely. Um, uh, and there's Roy Evans as well, who I've got a lot to tell you about too. Um, that's that's a great shot uh, of of that lift going down. It's only when we get the studio lift with the CSO that we have a that we have a problem. Um, so yeah, I, I I actually I you know I think for 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 Doctor Who all of this office boardroom politics stuff, particularly as Jerome Willis is very studied and very suave. Uh, and plays it like he plays and he played a lot of sort of characters a bit like this he's in the sandbaggers where he's a an office waller you know and uh, uh and and he and he has a, a a straight sort of you know very dramatic intensity although uh and and ben howard here as hinks has a genuine sort of cockney hard man vibe about him which i rather like again these sort those sorts of characters can be either a little overblown or played by actors who are actually close to being stuntmen and so aren't necessarily the best actors uh and and i think there's a sort of laconic slightly laid back slight insolence to ben howard's hinks that i rather like and he's uh you know he's 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 not pulling any faces and but you know he's he's quite inscrutable and he's quite laid back uh and he sort of takes it all in his stride uh 
Um, so, so they judge all of this very nicely. You know, he's slightly gimlet-eyed as well, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah, yeah, slightly his three size. Yeah, which you kind of want to ground the fact that you know Stevens is doing this intense hypnotized stuff, which again Jerome Willis does very well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I like all of these actors in in Global Chemicalsville. Uh, and, you know, they've all got a slightly different energy going on. You know, Stevens is obviously now communing with some greater power uh, who we will discover. You know, Hinks is the, the, the hard man thug. Uh, Elgin, you know, the, the, the man with the conscience who, you know, thinks something is going on. There's, everyone's got their little story going on and we'll meet we'll meet Fell later, won't we? Uh so Roy Evans has been Trantis in the Daleks master plan uh, and uh, is, is, plays another miner in the Monster of Peladon. That's because he was a friend of Lenny Main's. Uh, in fact, I've, I found in Lenny Main's suitcase a contact sheet. Of, no, no, just a few, few photos of, uh, of Roy and Lenny. So I sent, I sent one of them to Roy or a, a picture of one of them and uh, got a lovely letter back saying oh, he remembered that flat and all the shagging that they did in it <laughs> uh so poor old die has got the green death and uh it's quite nice how he you know bryant hadn't didn't dwell on on the green on his hands there it was sort of there and you could see it and that's the great thing about when you're watching doctor who in the 70s you know special effect might be there and you'd, you'd, you'd have to sort of work you'd glimpse it and then that'd be the bit that you'd remember and there was no rewind or playback or pause uh and i think sometimes that's a that's a better that's a a better system than uh, than sort of dwelling on it uh, because it's uh, even though it's counterintuitive you know no go give us the money shot but actually you go oh no it's uh it's uh it's it's there and i can see it but uh, it was part of the whole picture so this is all great all of this film stuff looks magnificent and it uh, gives it a real sense of place uh, and then it matches actually quite nicely with this interior set that you've got going here and i think that uh you know that matches well, and that's beautifully shot through the wheel. And you can, yeah, slightly dubbed, isn't it? Yeah, that's obviously it's dubbed because you couldn't have captured that on the mic. Then you'd have, you'd have, they'd have got that sound bit of the sound separately. Um, uh, and we know that something's been done because Hinks has snuck out like a wrongan. Uh, and uh, yes, I remember finding out that this was the cliffhanger and thinking, oh, it's not, it's not, it's not much of a cliffhanger. Uh, on paper, but uh, I think Talflin Thomas sells it with his lift acting and uh, and the crash zoom into Pertwee and his, you know, he's great at this stuff, means that a, a, a cliffhanger on paper that might be a bit underwhelming works. Stephen Strome Willis, oh, how lovely. Um, and the three Welshmen, uh, <laughs> oh, Mitzi McKenzie, um, uh, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, playing Nancy, yes, um, so there we go. That's uh, that's episode one of the Green Death, and I have to choose something that I like better than everything else in episode one. And the wheeze is that if I, if 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 my choices match with the majority of Ruben's choices, I will win a prize. I will win. Uh, protein-rich mushroom or something. Uh, 
Uh, I will win a blue crystal. You don't want to win a blue crystal, Tobes. Um, so my favourite thing about episode one, well, I actually, I really liked a lot of that. I, I, I found the Metabelis stuff, again, much more charming than the boring old stroppy teenage me who wanted the Doctor to be in the thick of the action. Did I think all of that, you know, it's supposed to be funny. It's a gag. I'm going to the most peaceful, wonderful, gorgeous blue planet in the history of the universe. And when I go there, it's a chittle uh, full of uh, uh, very dangerous animals and people throwing spears and inclement weather. And it's just awful. Uh, and then I come back and the phone's ringing and I'll speak to anyone. Uh, shoulder torn. That's quite a Captain Mannering thing. You know, there's slightly skew if all that is all beautiful. Uh, I, th- I, I think against the odds, um, Katie uh, Manning and Stuart Bevan pull off that introductory scene between Joe and Cliff. Cliff could have been really annoying, you know. Cliff could have been the real weak spot of this. You know, young, love interest, idealistic hero. He could have been a falsetto bore, as uh, as often those sorts of characters were in, uh, could be in 70s TV. And I think Stuart Bevan... I mean, I know Michael Bryant worked very hard to cast that part and didn't want to cast. They didn't want to cast Stuart because he and Katie, you know, were in a relationship. They didn't want a bit to be nepotism. But actually, it's great casting. Stuart does a very, very good job. Uh, and, that, and as I say, that scene where they meet could have been awful. And it's not. It's really nicely done. Uh, but I have to say, I think the thing I really like... and. Look, it's not unique to the Green Death. It's not. It's not the most amazing thing ever, but as a storytelling device and in Doctor Who and in a script that's trying to say and talk about interesting things, I love the explanations where the dialogue between Joe and Cliff and the dialogue between the Brigadier and Stevens jumps back and forth, telling each different new protagonist in this story's uh, perspective on things and it leaps into your ear and it plays you know plays with you know it it, it snaps your synapses makes you perk up and go oh they're doing you know this is this is galloping along and this is buffeting me with you know with the dialogue and character and stuff and it says it's maybe quite a simple device but it works really beautifully and if i think you're if, if you're a, i think if you're an eight nine ten year old watching this or even a teenager watching this you go oh that's clever i like that and uh uh, you know, I'm admiring of anything that has that sort of ambition to, um, especially when you're doing exposition and when you, because it, it sums up, it's summing up the themes as well. Exposition and sort of subtext, it, it very artfully integrates both of those things together and throws in a bit of character as well. And, you know, the different vibes between uh, the scene in the nut touch and the scene in Stevens's office. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a melange of all sorts of, you know, a few different things going on there, all very sort of carefully orchestrated, uh, that that fit nicely together and work. Um, which same because I, I should really be going for the green death, the green death effect, shouldn't I? Because that's very good as well. But no, I'm going to stick to my guns, and I'm going to go the overlapping dialogue, explanation scenes which uh, I think are very well done. What has Ruben, who I've never met, but who is, uh, has been such a, a vital contributor to these podcasts and my uh, Patreon of being one of the first um, 
to 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 show you know faith in in uh, in whatever it is i you know throw out there uh and uh, you know really really help to get these going and uh, and to justify the time i spent doing them so let's see what ruben has to say the american perspective which is always interesting because did you know in america they don't have a whales <laughs> let's see what he makes of doctor who's trip to Llan fairfax uh and what he likes best okay to pick a favorite thing um i'm gonna get the obvious one out of the way right away it's it's joe grant uh katie manning uh just amazing uh she shows her independence here. She's running away from the doctor. Uh, just, just brilliant. Uh, how can you not love Joe Grant? Uh, hands down my favorite companion from Classic Who. And uh, just, just love her. This, she's, she's so good in this. Uh, I, I don't have the words. Amazing. Oh, thanks. Well, yes. I mean, I love Joe. I mean, I I first encountered Joe when they showed Doctor Who and the Monsters, which was parts one and two of The Curse of Peladon, as a surprise repeat. Thank God my mum had spotted it in the Shropshire Star television listings and watched it. And I'd never seen Joe Grant before. And I soon scrawled TH4KM on my school exercise book. I must have been all of eight. But, oh, I was so in love with her uh i still kind of am i think um but uh yes joe grant is great and you know what 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 is so easy to forget is that joe grant doesn't even sound like katie manning uh, you know often often leading actors uh, you know are, are 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 very recognizable as the parts that they play because you know it's they're, they're not character parts in 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 the same way often uh, and I think we we some you know we 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 quite often I think associate Katie with being Joe and Joe with being Katie and they're actually very very different. Um, and I was I think I was getting worried about being told off for um, what I, my my stance or otherwise or the fact that I hadn't made it clear um, about unionism and I of course I instead of concentrating on the fact that this was the final scene between the Doctor and Joe in unit hq and off she went you know at the beginning of the story she sort of decides to go no no i'm gonna go and see this guy and that's heartbreaking and as i say flagged up and i didn't dwell on that because i was off on a segue so i was off on my own mission <laughs> uh uh to, to 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 focus on my own little preoccupations that will end up getting me into trouble uh much like what the doctor done um but no that's very important that she decides she wants to go and see this sexy version of Doctor Who, basically, uh, and uh, she sort of outgrows him, and that's that's really rather heartbreaking. And Pert was lovely in that. And as I say, you know, he says the fledgling flies the coop. He's kinda, he's kinda seeing this coming. She's, and and yeah, isn't it appropriate that in her last story, she, like Rose, Rose runs towards the TARDIS. Joe runs away from the TARDIS towards the story to grapple the story when the doctor's got his eyes on something else the doctor doesn't even realize the story has begun so actually younger me was wrong the metabilis thing isn't just a sort of lazy bit of padding 
to to you know give the doctor something to do before he arrives proper at the end of episode one it's because the doctor doesn't realize where the story is beginning and joe does and how much does that empower her how much does that place her front and center she is the leading protagonist and i actually love the dynamic that you've got joe and the brigadier i always love it when the brigadier you know is a story driver rather than a story reactor and you know he's important he's i love the fact that he and joe take the the lion's share of the the hero work in that episode you know they don't have the doctor to be finding out what's going on so joe finds out in one place the brigadier finds out in another world the doctor has his eyes on the wrong prize and we know that will come to bite him later but actually uh it it, it means that yeah he's not center stage because he's 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 not noticed where the adventure should be beginning and i think that's rather clever and that's rather interesting as well and hadn't really occurred to me until you know ruben points out you know joe and of course i i, I often fail with uh because every you know everyone's you know every guest on this is coming to this new so you know will of course you know their doctor or their companion they'll want to to, to flag up whereas i've probably look through them to to get to the nitty-gritty of the 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 individual installment uh but there's absolutely nothing wrong of course why wouldn't you choose joe grant and i probably might have waited to episode six uh, or for my bonus thing to choose her which was bad gameplay because uh, uh of course choosing her for episode one means that reuben will get the joe grant point and i can now not choose her Though I can choose, you know, something she does or an aspect of her. And, you know, I suspect I would be very surprised if I don't choose her her leaving scene um, or, or, or some element of it. I can already see there's a lot to choose from that last instalment. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, the, Joe is not, you know, marrying somebody she held hands with in episode four, you know, to... to to, 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 to use a cliche you know this 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 departure is seeded very early on and they deserve that these these regulars you know it's not just let's graft the departure onto the adventure that we've commissioned from this person and gone oh yeah by the way uh, can you stick a leaving scene for the companion on and so often companions have had quite perfunctory exits this one i mean at least Shaw didn't even really get one so but you know joe grant and katie has earned this and it's nice that they've they've given her you know they've 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 they've, they've fitted her exit into the storyline and into the script uh it, itself and you know made you know made a big thing of it in, in 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 relating it to the doctor because she's gone her you know her eyes have been turned by uh yeah sexy younger her blow-up doctor <laughs> um Oh, it's lovely. And it's so sad. And it's so sad. And of course, for years, Katie was the one who was never coming back. She'd always say in interviews, I, I wouldn't come back. I'm done. I've gone. But uh, she did come back in Sarah Jane. And of course, now uh, in Power of the Doctor, well, it was a cameo, but it didn't matter. Um, you know, she is, Joe is is still there as part of the, as part of the universe. But for, 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 for ages, this was, uh, you know, and, and from, you know, from the actor's own, you know, declaration, no 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 that was it she was she was leaving it in the past uh and uh, i'm i really like the way that they fitted joe into the story i really like the ecological side of it i really like the the sort of reflecting of you know 
industrial relations which is which was very important in this well it's very important now but it's t- taken slightly different forms but its shadow hangs over uh you know this country and uh the way that people are employed and job security and all of those sorts of things which have massively transformed since that time and and of course industry and uh, you know jobs for you know that that knitted communities together this is all this is all a rich part of our sort of cultural and societal history and it's really interesting to see it reflected in doctor who this way we I think we sometimes associate that with you know gritty policey dramas that take on modern issues but actually you know doctor who is embedded in the fabric of the of the of of, of these aisles in a way that uh, you know it is sort of like a social document but you know with added homicidal giant mutant uh, wildlife <laughs> and what more could you want uh, 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 a postcard from the past with toxic slime dripping out of it and uh, yeah I think I'm going to have fun with the green death and with Reuben so uh, please Join me next time and I'll be uh, Haydoke the Commentator. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. And my special guest this time around is Ruben Herfindahl, to whom I'm grateful. Gratitude also goes to the many patrons, Ruben among them, who make these podcasts possible. They also include... Darren Howard, Tom Hunter-Watts, Steve Herr, Paul Ingerson, Ed Jefferson, Robert Jewell, Judith Jackson, Wim Keith, Matthew Kilburn, Colin Patrick, Andy Kitching, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Pete Lack, Pete Lambert, Andy Larson, Erica Lear, Jonathan Lechage, Paul Lindbald, Keith Little, Mark Ledsom, Andrew Lester, Andrew Llewellyn, Paul Loveday, Jakob Lumley, Nate Lynch, Daryl McLean, Philip Marsh, Joe McLachlan, Glenn McLeod, Steve Manfred, Nick Mellish, James Miller, Phil Mitchell, Justin E. Monaghan, Jim Mooney, Ian Moore, Sheila Moore, Chris Murphy, Paul Murphy, Andrew Nixon, Tom Neen and Steve O'Brien, Jeremiah O'Connor and Neil O. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Would you like your name read out on the credits? Well, that is one of the bonuses if you are an inhabitant of Patronville. Where is Patronville? It's a mythical place where you have to cross the internet's palm with silver, but only three pounds per month. And then you can get access to a place where the streets are lined with bonus releases, exclusive videos and audios just for you, monthly AMAs, pictures of my dog on the billboards surrounding the village green uh yeah it's uh, it's just a it's a patron page my patron page patreon.com forward slash toby it's three pounds a month the tiers do go up and you do get a few extra things as you ascend the tier ladder you don't know tiers aren't tiers are a thing they don't need a ladder the tiers are there the ladder the ladder is unnecessary it's like saying very unique or opening gambit the second word does all the work for you so i'm kicking the ladder away it's just a tier system uh, and as you ascend the tiers you do get various other trinkets but they're all worth <laughs> get my advertising i mean every, everything of any value is is at the lowest tier because i'm foolish like that uh, you do get yeah you do you do get other bits and bobs but it's a kind of pay what you can afford slash what you think it's worth sort of system which I think is the best way of doing these things because it's awkward enough asking you for money to be honest uh, most people you know podcast for free but 
uh, or do they? I don't know. But a lot of podcasts, yeah, all podcasts are free. This pod, this podcast's free. If you're listening to this on iTunes, it's free, isn't it? But uh, you'd have got it six months in advance if you'd been a patron. Uh, and ditto the too much information. They're usually about a month in advance because they take a bit longer to do, although I'm working on a new system where they won't. And uh, indefinable magic. Uh, but you are you are always ahead as a patron and you get three releases per week and a picture of my dog. So that's sort of four days a week where something drops. Uh, whereas uh, in you know iTunes land and Podbean and Spotify and all those places, it's just a couple of times a week. So you're well behind, suckers. Um, so yeah, look, I'm a I'm a self-employed freelancer, so doing this sort of stuff is part of my live living employment uh, artistic expression, whatever it is. And so if you if you are inclined to fund the arts in the new form that they take, which is basically people gassing on into their uh, uh, home equipment and wanging it out there rather than have to bother about quality control and BBC guidelines and all those other things. Well, here we go. This is the future. This is the brave new world. And it costs £3 per month. Uh, and uh, with a 10% discount, if you sign up for a whole year, uh, that, that uh, applies to all the tiers. You get 10% off if you give me a whole year of your life. Um, if you don't want to do the monthly subscription, don't want to commit or just don't fancy it, uh, you but, but you occasionally go, do you know what? He sounds hungry and uh i've i've uh, you know i've had a pay rise or um i've you know i'm feeling flush or neither of those things but uh he sounds like oh i, I like to joke what he did and that seems like it was worth three pounds you can buy me a coffee uh for, for no commitment and it's just a one-off thing at ko-fi.com forward slash toby Haydock. it's not really a coffee it's a metaphor to make this whole business seem a little less seedy <laughs> you could be buying all sorts of things from me but no yeah but you're buying me a coffee that's that sounds that seems nicer doesn't it uh so that's ko-fi.com forward slash toby Haydock. but look i know the way of the world and i certainly know the way things are where everything's the the, the expense of day-to-day -day things uh, has ascended into lunacy so i'll tell you what what costs you nothing but would really be appreciated is if you went to iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, all those places and gave these podcasts, Toby Haydoke's Time Travels, five stars and also left some very positive reviews, some feedback so that people know what they're in for. That really, really does help. And if you retweet Facebook, social media, the, the heck out of these, Twitter, I'm not calling it X. I still call them Opal Fruits, so I'm not calling it X. Uh, it is an X Twitter. It's no, it's a current Twitter for me. Um, so uh, do all of that stuff. Uh, and that that just really helps, and uh, it helps to uh, make other people see that these are out there, and it makes you know it worth the time. Uh, not that you don't make it worth the time. I'm very grateful to you for listening. And talking of the social media, I am on X as Toby Haydock. H-A-D-O-K-E. These podcasts have their own feed. Hat Haydoke Podcasts. At Haydoke Podcasts. I said Hat Haydoke Podcasts. They're like my grandmother when she was trying to be posh. She would add an H where none was necessary. Uh, and uh, I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's the one with a picture of me looking apologetic in a... Or, or am I now? Yeah, I think I still am. Uh, but I've, I've got a professional page and a personal page. Trying to my great people who are just here for the work onto the professional page because that's where I'll put all the podcast, all the comedy, all that sort of thing. And my personal page will, uh, will, will I think, soon become uh, one where it's uh, 
you know it's just for friends and family because it's nice to put things up of a family party and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and and it be just for sort of people I know like like for most people so um, yeah go to my Facebook page uh, for me as a comedian performer whatever it is I am uh, and that's where stuff goes as well and I'm trying to get good at the Instagram with videos and things and I think I'm not bad I've been editing highlights from my comedy nights where fabulous people like Sarah Millican and Joe Lysett have been appearing uh, and that's at toby.haydoke so get my Instagram up because I've done quite well on Twitter without trying and I've done pretty well on Facebook without trying and I'm, I'm having a bash at Instagram and um, I mean I, I see people who just pout with blenders dwarfing me and I do output but there we go perhaps I should pout with a blender maybe if, yeah if by the time this comes out you go to my Instagram and I'm there pouting with a blender it's because clearly my artistic output was was not good enough um, but um, who knows I'll, I'll start I'll start unboxing junk mail as well oh look Oxfam want a monthly donation for I'll, 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 I'll do all of that well there we go i actually do you know what i did the opening of this a few times i decided i'd mix it up and do a slightly different one i'm still not entirely happy with the opening that i did but then i thought i probably care about it more than anybody else uh, <laughs> but I just thought I'd mention at the end, just in case it's ruined your whole day, going, he's, slightly, he's done slightly different wording for the beginning, and I'm sure he stumbled over one of them. Well, that's that's about 12 takes in, and I thought, why am I spending so long on a bit that probably do people fast? Because the tune, I was thinking about this, the theme tune is quite long, and I did experiment early on with just doing one of the stings as the opening, but it, it felt wrong to me. Um do you do you listen to the whole theme tune or do you do you, do you skip the first 30 seconds because there's some podcasts I listen to where I know that the first minute and a half is going to be adverts so I skip you know skip the I do three 30 second skips as it were and there are some where I know that the sort of opening theme has a sort of throw forward to what's coming next and I think oh I can miss that as well which is most unlike me I normally soak up the whole of a program but I'm getting as I get older I'm getting less patience for that sort of thing uh, whereas you know, I, I like a next time trailer. I like a I like a coming up. I like a pre credit sequence or whatever. But um, with podcasts, I'm I'm clearly less pure than I am perhaps with my television watching. Anyway, uh, if you're listening to this, I suspect you've probably listened to all of it. Um, in which case, because I mean, it's it's weird to think, isn't it? The actual podcast ended minutes ago, and yet here it is still clinging to life. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a bit yeah, it's a it's a bit like it's a bit like me, isn't it? Still, 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 I'm bashing away, trying trying to show signs of relevance and existence, even when even when most people have actually stopped listening. <laughs> oh well. <laughs>